A few need-to-know things before we begin. When I talk about the hero's journey, I use a version of Joseph Campbell's model that I've modified a little bit. The hero's journey model I use is my own creation, and it specifically mirrors the hero's journey. There's much more information on this channel about these journeys if you choose to look it up. And the one point I can never emphasize strongly enough, masculine doesn't equal male, feminine doesn't equal female when it comes to the journeys. Female heroes and male heroines are possible and common happenings. I think it's also time to introduce my Heroes and Heroines Journey world to the channel. The map of this world was hand-painted by my lovely friend and Romanian artist, Monica Opencariu, and yes, she gave me permission to mispronounce and Canadianize her name. Monica did a beautiful job interpreting the rough sketch I sent her, and this whimsical world was the result. Links to more of Monica's work are in the description below. I did this because while lists and diagrams are helpful, they don't express the wonder of the journeys. The dance of the hero and heroine can't be fully embraced with strict analytical structure. It's necessary to feel what the characters feel in order to integrate their lessons into our lives, and thus a bit of whimsy and wonder is absolutely necessary to tell their tales. What would you do if you realized you were the villain in your own story? I was recently asked to answer this question on Quora, and while I didn't do so there, I'm going to do so here in my typical roundabout manner. You see, villains are archetypes in the same way that heroes and heroines are, and believe it or not, villains generally are heroes or heroines that have become stuck on their journey. More on that later in this episode. Most villains are ideologists or anarchists who are attempting to reshape the world in whatever form they believe it should be in. They're control freaks, and the problem with being a control freak is that nothing is ever truly in your control. Nothing can be permanently forced into being the way you want it to be. So the truth of the matter is that we're all the villains of our own story because we are the world that the villain attempts to control, and we're all programmed to believe that we need to force ourselves to fit into whatever parameters our ego and our society is most comfortable with. If I go back 15 years, I was definitely the villain of my own story and nearly brought about my own demise. It shouldn't have to be that way, but we get locked into ideologies and patterns and loops of behavior, and the older we get, the more deeply entrenched the programming becomes. When our inner hero and heroine finally break that programming, we can actually complete our journeys as we should have from childhood. It's exactly what Anakin Skywalker did in Return of the Jedi. He was once an innocent little kid, and he became tyrant of the galaxy, all because a bunch of ideological nutjobs wanted him to use his power for their cause. Hello, spiritual seekers, writers, and others interested in the heroes and heroines' journeys, or just in Star Wars, for that matter. Welcome to Think Spiritual. I'm your host, Mark, and today I finally want to begin diving into the mythos that Star Wars has become within Western society, and perhaps in other societies as well. I recently took the opportunity to view all of the current Star Wars films again, and I have to say that each one hit me a little deeper than past viewings had, and I think Anakin's story felt very personal and familiar. 
You see, Anakin's major issue all throughout his life is that he never truly made any decisions on his own, and definitely none that were best for him. He was always trying to do what was expected of him, and always trying to be someone that everyone else wanted him to be. That's something I can personally relate to, and I think many of you out there will feel the same. As always, these myths, they're about you. Whether you admit it or not, it's very possible that you've been Anakin Skywalker at some point in your life. I know I have. So here we go with Anakin Skywalker's personal journey from the Phantom Menace through to Return of the Jedi, and I hope you can see the real-life parallels throughout, and I hope you remember what I said at the very beginning of this episode. Female heroes are possible, and male heroines are possible, which is exactly what Anakin Skywalker is. He's on a heroine's journey, and this is especially true for two reasons. First, he begins his on-screen adventure as a child, and all children are born into the magical world of the feminine. Second, Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader, one of the greatest villains in cinema, and all primary villains are shadow versions of heroines. This is something we'll explore in future episodes, but trust me, my story analysis is sound. Heroines and villains all have one thing in common ideology. They're locked into a dogma and intent on the world being as they think it should be. It's the product and bane of being born into a perfect world. Anakin Skywalker's tale begins in the perfect world of the feminine, the perfect world of Tatooine, and of course, yes, we know it's not perfect, that's the reason for the quotes. Anakin also knows his world isn't perfect. He doesn't require an on-screen death of innocence, and he's not in denial of his situation. He's a slave, and he's fortunate that he's smart and able to be of use to his masters. The people that surround Anakin on a daily basis keep him where he is. His imperfect, perfect world is just the way they want it, and they make certain that he stays exactly where he is. Can you imagine what Watto could have done for the boy had he treated him a little better? Anakin's life on Tatooine goes on and on and on as usual until one day some strangers enter the junkyard where he works, and then his life in the course of the galaxy is changed forever. One of the strangers, Qui-Gon Jinn, is none other than Anakin's fairy godmother. Through Anakin's own efforts and a little magic from Qui-Gon, Anakin is freed from slavery. Or is he? You see, slavery is actually a constant theme in Anakin's life, and Qui-Gon's motives for releasing Anakin are not purely benevolent. <laughs> Typical Faye. Uh, more on that in a moment. But Anakin's next step on his heroine's journey is leaving the waters. And I know that's really ironic since he's leaving a desert planet. But what I'm talking about here is the symbolic waters of the feminine energy and emotion, or call it the waters of childhood if you wish. And every heroine who leaves the waters will next find herself in a dark forest or a city. And in Anakin's case, city is certainly true as Coruscant is a planet-wide city with not a green space in sight. However, the larger truth is that the entire galaxy is now open for Anakin to experience, if he ever chooses to see the galaxy through his own eyes. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. Remember what I said about slavery and Qui-Gon's motives? Anakin has left one world where he was a slave, and now he immediately enters another where he has heavy expectations placed upon him. For it's here where Anakin enters a loop in his journey that he doesn't escape until the end of Return of the Jedi. Now this portion of the journey is what I call the Fair Maiden or Chosen One loop of the heroine's journey. It's here where the heroine decides who she is 
and what our path will be. But Anakin never makes that decision for himself because the two factions of the Jedi and the Sith are always seeking to control him. The Jedi believe that Anakin is the chosen one from some ancient prophecy, and yes, the Council opted to not train him at first, but notice how easily they relented at the end of The Phantom Menace. I think they were actually afraid that they wouldn't be able to control Anakin as they do with most of their Padawans and Masters, and yes, the Jedi absolutely are control freaks. They're an ideological group hell-bent on destroying the Sith. Their temple is a hop, skip, and a jump away from the Galactic Senate, and they're insistent on keeping peace in the galaxy while having absolutely no qualms about using sentient clones as cannon fodder. Goddess above, at least the Sith are honest about their intentions. It's all subterfuge and machinations underneath, but if you ask them to their face what they want... Okay, my point here is to hypothesize that Anakin actually would have been better off as a slave on Tatooine than becoming a slave and supposed messiah to the Jedi first, and then a slave to the Emperor later on. However, in order to convince you, let's continue tracking Anakin's journey. And at this point in her journey, every heroine must meet the beast. In other words, she has to meet her counterparts, and I often consider this metaphorical beast to be multi-headed, as it generally consists of the hero and the villain, essentially the heroine's mirror images of what she could become depending on what path she chooses. Now, in Anakin's case, his beast consists of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Chancellor Palpatine, respectively, the hero and shadowy villain of the prequels. This meeting specifically happens at the end of The Phantom Menace, grows throughout Attack of the Clones, and finally bears rotten fruit in Revenge of the Sith. As we progress into A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi will find that the faces of Anakin's beasts alter. Now, it's possible you're wondering why I didn't say that Padme was part of Anakin's beast, and that would be because she isn't. Padme is a heroine herself. She and Anakin aren't paired in the dance. Padme is on her own heroine's journey, which is also plagued by expectations on slavery, but we'll cover that in another episode of Think Spiritual. For now, let's finish Anakin's first turn of his fair maiden or chosen one loop of his heroine's journey. This next step I call standing on the shoreline. It's where the heroine longs to return to the depths of the feminine that they left, escaped from, or were pulled from. Now, unlike the hero, the heroine has the full ability to return to their place of origin at will. Heroes have to complete their quest before they can return home. It's also a time when something can happen that pushes the heroine further into heroism or villainy. Events are pulling Anakin back to Tatooine and attack the clones due to the dreams he has of his mother. Notice how Anakin must go back in secret as Jedi ideology continually states that he has to sever that connection. But ironically for them, had they allowed him to return to Tatooine at any earlier time, all the events of Revenge of the Sith may have been avoided. So Anakin arrives on Tatooine too late to rescue his mother, and he kills an entire tribe of sand people in a fit of rage which sends him spiraling into doubt, hatred, and self-loathing, and all perfect qualities for a Sith Lord to manipulate him with. And thus begins Anakin's second run of the Fair Maiden or Chosen One loop of the Heroine's Journey as we move into Revenge of the Sith. And this is where we see the beginnings of Anakin facing a new villain, Darth Vader. Yes, Vader is the villainous shadow that Anakin puts on. It's a mask and a suit in more ways than one. Vader is not Anakin's true self. It's a shadow self. It's aligning oneself and identifying oneself with the ego, aka the Emperor. Anakin only believes that he has to take on the Vader alter ego because the Emperor has enslaved his mind and convinced him 
that this is what and who Anakin is. He's 22 years old at this point, and he still hasn't made a single decision for himself that he hasn't had to hide from those who are supposedly his betters and mentors. Trapped in his own self-loathing and hatred, Anakin gives himself to the dark side and aligns himself with the ideology of the Sith, leaving him stuck in this fair maiden or chosen one loop of the heroine's journey. Because he's too afraid to move forward and face what he's done, and he has nothing to go back to because he's destroyed it all. Anakin has become the villain of his own story. Now, one possibility to note here is that most heroines who get stuck in the journey will eventually do what I call a mirror hop, and they become heroes. The fair maiden or chosen one step of the heroine's journey will mirror hop to normal existence of the hero's journey. However, since Anakin has become the villain, and because he hasn't shut down his emotions, he doesn't mirror hop. He just stays in the loop for 22 years until he learns that his son is alive and part of the Rebel Alliance. Finally, a ray of hope for Anakin is on the horizon, because a new hero has arisen, and there's no question that Luke is on a hero's journey, and that new hero becomes a new face on Anakin's beast. Well, after Anakin kills the old hero first. During their first confrontation in The Empire Strikes Back, Anakin is hoping to use Luke to free himself from the Emperor's grasp. He believes that they will be strong enough together, and he's not wrong, but cutting off your son's hand is hardly the way to convince him to rule the galaxy with you. So how did Anakin go from this... ...to this? Well, that's all Luke's doing. At first, Luke, the new hero, believes that his goal is to destroy the evil Darth Vader. And technically he's not wrong, but his vision in the cave on Dagobah tells him that if he kills Vader with fear and violence, that he'll end up becoming the very thing he hates. No, as Luke discovers later, he must kill Vader with love. Vader has to die so Anakin Skywalker can be redeemed. Like it or not, Anakin is the damsel in distress that the hero must rescue. Opening himself to this love is what frees Anakin from his fair maiden or chosen one loop of his heroine's journey. This next step of the heroine's journey, and the heroine's journey in general, is all about setting boundaries in one's life. You set a boundary, you stand up for yourself, you say no. Uh, not, not that one. Ugh. Not that one either. No. No. Yeah, that one. Okay, I think the new nose they put in is cheesy, but they really correctly emphasize what I've been saying about the heroine's journey for over a year now. When the heroine finally stands up for herself, this is what I call overcoming the stepmother. And I can't think of a worse stepmother to have than Emperor Palpatine. Hold your tongue. This is the moment when Anakin Skywalker finally, after all these decades, breaks the bonds of his slavery and makes a decision for himself. He doesn't give a damn what the Sith think, what the Jedi think, or even what the light or dark side of the Force thinks. His son is being murdered in front of him, and enough is enough, goddammit. It's time for that bastard Sidious to die, and for Vader to die, and Anakin is willing to sacrifice himself for the sake of his son. Because sacrifice is the key to the heroine's attainment of her highest self. Normally an extreme sacrifice like this would come at a much later stage in the heroine's journey. But in Anakin's case, there's been too much damage and there's really nothing left of his world. 
in those last moments, Anakin finally understands that he's become the villain of his own story, and the only way to redeem himself is to make that ultimate sacrifice. So what would you do if you realized you were the villain of your own story? The way I see it, you have four choices. One, consciously continue your villainous path and see it through to your inevitable demise. Consider Mr. Glass in Unbreakable and Glass. Two, don't change your ways at all. Think you're right and eventually end up knocked off your horse and flat on your back. Consider Count Adomar in A Knight's Tale. Three, have your ideology ripped out from under you and traded in for anarchy and destructive nihilism. That's the path that most villains end up taking when their plans crumble. Consider Zod and Man of Steel. Fourth option, open yourself to love, face what you've done, and determine to complete your journey and march forward into the future with the full intent of making the best with what you've got. It's essentially what Anakin did when he decided to sacrifice himself for his son. And there we have it, my dear heroes and heroines, the tragic heroine's journey or shadow journey of Anakin Skywalker. Although I can add that perhaps Anakin did get his happy ending and attained his highest self within the Force. This is what I call the permission of happiness step of the heroine's journey, and I feel like keeping Sebastian Shaw on screen portrays that much more appropriately than the new ending with Hayden Christensen does. Thank you so much for watching today. Please like, share, comment, criticize, and subscribe at your leisure. Having said that, I have to admit that I could really use your financial help if you have the ability to throw a few dollars my way each month. I'm wanting to build a journey university on Patreon to start with, and eventually move it to its own website in the future. That is a bit of a long-term project, though. The fact is, I'm just not sure how much longer I can keep doing this without some kind of energy return from those of you who get something out of this work. I've been your host, Mark. This has been a fairly deep dive into the life, character arc, and heroine's journey of Anakin Skywalker. And I know that if you decide to stop allowing others' expectations to control your decisions, that you absolutely will change yourself, release yourself from slavery, and bring great change to your world. Goddess blessings upon you. You have all the weapons and knowledge you need within you. And I'll see you on another episode of Think Spiritual. <laughs>